0: Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Hey, church, we're so glad you're here. Would you do me a favor today and stand in honor of the reading of God's word. I did this a few weeks ago. We're going old school today. Thought I'd do it again. Acts chapter 2. I'm reading verse 42 through 47. We've been in this series, The Rising Church. Believing for and declaring the church that God wants in this city for today. And the best way to know how we're supposed to act as Christians is to go back to the early church. I think the church of today has made it too complicated and complex, and sometimes we just got to get back to the basics of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Looking back at what the early church did, Acts 2.42, the church has just been birthed. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, we got a lot in common. Tell him right now, we got a lot in common. How many know they may not look like you, but you got more in common with them than you realize. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food, oh, I love food, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Today I want to bring a message to you entitled, Set the Table. I believe that the church was meant to be a place well we make a seat for all people. we set a table that's inclusive, not exclusive. We set a table where it doesn't matter how big of sin you have in your background, how much baggage you carried into this place how many of you know there's a seat at the table of the family of God for everyone and that's what I want to talk to you about today set the table. So as you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell him, get ready, it's about to go down. Tell him, get ready, it's about to go down. My name is Caleb. If you're new, so glad you're here and we're continuing this Rising Church series. Before I do that, uh, I did I did just want to let you guys know uh, we announced that at our Wednesday night service, but you may have not been here. Maybe you're new. You don't know anything about this, but our youth pastors, Sam and Carly Flurry, they had a baby six weeks ago, and he had health complications from the onset, tons of struggles and challenges. Um, the doctors did not even think he was going to make it one week, let alone six, and this last Last uh, Wednesday morning, he went home to be with Jesus. He received his final healing. And so we just wanted to let you know to pray for our youth pastors, Sam and Carly. It has been an incredibly challenging six weeks, as you can imagine. Our church has felt the weight of this moment. And uh, I wanted to invite you this Saturday they're having a celebration of Maverick's life uh, at District Church in El Dorado Hills from 12 to 2 p.m. this Saturday, the 16th. And so you're all invited. Uh, We knew we wouldn't all fit in this room. Uh, And so our church family, as well as all the other relationships they have, but if you can make it, that would be great to support them. But either way, please be praying for them. Uh, They felt the support of our church. Thank you so much for all of you that have prayed, given, uh, brought meals. It's been amazing, the love they've been surrounded with by our church. But I just wanted to uh, let you know, can we just pray for them right now, Lord? I pray for the flurries, Lord, this moment of loss, God, we don't understand all the time. We may have questions, but God, we know that Maverick is in your hands now, Lord. He's received his final healing, and we know that as Christians, we don't have to see death the way this world does, for we know that we will see him again. God, we know that there is hope in a the future, there is an eternity waiting. For us and for Maverick. And so, Lord, just surround the flurries in this moment with peace and comfort and love. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys, for lifting them up in this season. So I am continuing this series, as I said, and we are actually today in the middle of Compassion Sunday. That's why you saw some videos about compassion. Today, at the end of the day, you're going to have an opportunity to sponsor a child If you feel so led by the Holy Spirit, we actually set out to help launch a compassion site as well as a church plant in Kenya in December. I told you, our church, we needed $40,000 to launch this compassion site. And what was amazing was in December last year, you gave over $60,000. And so we blew it away. I thought it was going to be hard. And you all made it easy because this church just has a heart of generosity. Well, now... That Compassion site has launched, but these children at that site in Kenya need to be sponsored. And so today in the 9 a.m., in the 10.30, and now in the 12, our people have been sponsoring kids. It's been amazing. Um, We've been sponsoring many of these children. And so at the end of today, you're going to be able to see, you'll be able to go to the link on your phone um, and actually pick your child. You'll see their, their pictures, their age, a little bit about them. Um, If you don't have a device that that works with or you have any questions, there's a table out in the lobby. or actually on the porch now. Um, And so they'll be out there to help answer questions and help you find a child that you could sponsor. But we really felt like today, uh, and I felt led in this moment of talking about compassion and generosity and looking at the early church and how generous they were with one another, that I would challenge you with this message of setting the table. You see, there's something powerful about inviting people into your home. In fact, I think back to as a child, my mother, we would often have people over, friends over, guests over. And when we did, it would become an all-out panic in preparation for the people's arrival. You guys know what I'm talking about. When mom wants the house clean, she ain't playing And so she would be like, I want it to look like nobody lives here. I need you to dust everything, vacuum every floor, mop everything. I mean, it was full-blown. And as the time got closer, how many know the panic rose? And Mother's intensity, we'll call it, increased. We won't say that Chrissy is the same way, although I experience much of that now, even as a grown man, Y'all feel me? You know what I'm talking about. But let me tell you something. I actually appreciate a lot about that, because you know what it did? It showed to me the passion and the intentionality of creating an environment where when people come into the the house, they say, "Wow, they actually cared about my arrival." Wow, they actually put forth the effort and the energy, and the intentionality in preparation because they see me as a guest of honor. That's what I'm talking about today, setting the table. In fact, if I was to give this a statement to encapsulate and summarize the message, it would be this, a table that's set reveals a church with intent. The church needs to be intentional, And intentionality in inviting and welcoming all people in. I love that about my mom. I love that about my wife. They want when people arrive to feel like they matter. Like we put forth every effort we could for your arrival. That's what the family of God should do. Why? Because this world is looking for a home. And they've tried to find home in all sorts of places. With all sorts of things. And yet how many know when you find a home in the family of God, there is nothing like it. You see, God created this to be a home. It's not a church building. It's not a building in old sack. This is a home. And so we want to set the table in a way that invites all people home. So I want to give you a few challenges today, a few points to share with you around this idea of setting the table first, being we set the table to share what we've been given, to share what you've been given. You know that every member of the family has something that they bring. You see, my wife may prepare the meal, but my kids set the table. And so you may be a part of of the church and maybe you've called this church your home or maybe you're trying to decide right now, is this my home? I want to tell you this. I want to emphasize this to you that you all have something that you bring and you're meant to share what you bring. You know, in the church, we used to do potlucks. We don't do those much anymore, but I love the idea of a potluck. Why? Because everyone's bringing something to share and we Eat and we feast and we share with one another. We share what we've been given. So while Chrissy prepares the meal, my kids, they set the table. This is something we've implemented in our home, and sometimes they do it begrudgingly. They do it with grumbling and complaining. And yet I believe we're ingraining in them this idea of bringing what they've been given, of being able to contribute in some way, of bringing an attitude, a heart, a spirit of servanthood into our home. We're ingraining it into them at, young, at a young age. They're 10, 8, and 6. And every night we have dinner, they set the table. Why? Because they share what they've been given. They don't have much to bring to the table, but they can bring that. I mean, know, oh, Caleb doesn't have much when it comes to cooking. You don't want my cooking, but you know what I do? Chrissy prepares the meal, the kids set the table, and Caleb cleans the dishes. Come on, somebody. You don't want my cooking, but you know what I can do? I can bring that ability to wash a dish like no other. To load a dishwasher, I'm the master dishwasher loader. I can fill that baby to the max. It takes skill. I bring, I share what I've been given. I know this is funny, but there's so much truth to it. You see, a church that shares is a church that cares. It's corny, but it's true. We have to share our gift. When you don't share what you've been given, you hinder your own growth. But not only that, you're depriving the church of receiving the blessing of what you have to bring. You see, it's about more than just you. It's about the people around you. It's about those that will be blessed when you bring the gift that you have. And you say, I don't have much. Let me tell you, little is much when God is in it. Let me tell you, when you bring the little you have, but God is upon it, and it's needed in the body, God can do something great with it. The body, individually, is not much. My pinky is not much. Actually, I got a jacked up pinky. You guys ever seen this thing? It's, it's got problems. I went to the doctor. They're like, there's nothing we can do. You heard it so long ago, and you didn't get it fixed. It's nothing in of itself. But when I put it together with all these other digits, I can still swing a mean golf club. I can still dribble the ball. Listen, you may feel like I'm jacked up. I'm like your pinky. I don't have much to bring. I don't have a lot of gifts. But let me tell you, if you use it and bring it into the body, God can do much with us together. He needs us together. We set the table to share what we've been given, but we also set the table to serve the family of God. I believe that generosity is how we grow. So many people are stuck in their faith, and it's usually because they're stuck fixated on their own problems. But when we get outside of ourselves, when we stop focusing on just woe is me, all that I'm go- I've gone through, all my problems, the, the hand that I've been dealt in life that is unfair. When we start focusing on, you know what, how can I just bless and serve and give to someone else? Let me tell you, that's when we grow. Generosity, serving, having a servanthood mentality is how we grow. You see, setting a table for others is not a recommendation, it's a requirement. Like with my kids, Ken and Kai and Charlie, it's not a recommendation for them to set the table. And they'll try to make it a recommendation. And that's when Caleb, Daddy Caleb flexes. I say, this is not a recommendation. This is a requirement. You contribute to the family. You serve in this family. You bring what you have. We have a consumer mentality. Why? Because we live in a materialistic world with a bunch of materialistic girls and boys. And so we make it all about us, me, what I need, what I can get, what I'm trying to have. And God's saying, no, we have to serve. We're We're not consumers. We're contributors. You see, when we set the table for others, we generate a heart of generosity i've watched in my kids as they've continued to learn to serve and to bring what they have and to serve in our home that they've begun to do that they actually like showing up early on sundays and dad how can we help this morning i had them carrying chairs down the down the stairs Why? Because I want to teach them what it means to serve the family of God. We launched this church eight years ago, almost nine now. My kids have been on this journey with us. We've taught them what it means to serve. We set the table to serve the family of God because the family was meant to serve one another. The family was meant to meet the needs of one another. You saw what the early church did. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. They broke bread in their homes together and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. The early church set the example of serving each other. And we needed to get back to serving one another. We set the table to serve the family of God, but we also, third, set the table to make room for growth. You know what I love about the table in the house of god is its inclusive not exclusive you know what i love about the table in the house of god is it's an expanding table it doesn't have a limited number of seats even though up here we do it's a table that expands And grows, and there's always room for one more, and one more, and one more. And he says, I'll even leave the 99 at the table to to go get the one that's gone astray. And I wanted to tell you, there's always room at the table, even for you. You may be here today saying, "I I could never sit at the table of God because of what I've done. I wanted to remind you, on your worst day, there's a seat at the table, on your best day, there's a seat at the table. When you've been running from God for years or you've been serving for God for years, there's a seat at the table. There is a father that, that opens his arms like the, the father did for the prodigal son. And he runs to meet that prodigal. He wants us to make room. He wants us to have a table that always has a seat available for someone you see, I believe God wants us to grow. We added a 12 p.m. service. We call this a 12 p.m. turn up. I, I named it that. The 1030, like today, the 1030 was packed. I mean, barely a seat empty in the house. So we're like, we got we to gotta make room. And so I'm believing that this room, it, we've made room and God's going to fill the room as we continue to believe by faith for people to come. Why? We want to make room for all people. You ever show up to a house, somebody invites you over, and you show up and it's messy? You're like, oh, did you forget I was coming? They're like, nah. Nah, I knew you were coming. Like, oh, you just didn't care enough to clean up a little bit. It's all right, I'll clean the toilet before I use it. Man, I've experienced that. And let me tell you, it didn't make me feel very special. didn't make me feel like a guest of honor. In this house, we've always said, we want to go the extra mile to make room. We want to put the best foot forward. We want to prepare something special every Sunday. Why? So that when people come in here they say, wow, they wanted me here. Let me tell you, we give a free t-shirt and a free blueprint coffee in a box to every guest. It's like 20 bucks per guest. And when our team first presented this to me, I was like, I don't know, guys. That's kind of pricey. 20 bucks per guest, and we have a lot of guests every Sunday. But let me tell you, we've seen the priority in that. We want to bless them. We want to honor them. Here's a free t-shirt. Here's a box. Here's a free coffee. And we want you to know that you matter in this house. We set the table to make room for growth. Fourth, we set the table to feed those who are hungry. You know, I, I threw this in here looking at the early church and this point that they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and distributed to each as any had need. In this day, people were struggling. They were suffering. There were many poor who became believers, followers of Jesus Christ. And the early church said, we're going to help you. We're going to meet your need. And, and I think that the church of today, we've forgotten this. We've lost sight of this. I love that this is a church that serves, that loves, that wants to feed. Yesterday, actually, we partner every month with Yolo Food Bank. Yesterday, we served 127 families. Yesterday was Hope Day. The second Saturday of every month is Hope Day, where we have multiple projects all around the city. Our church people serving. We've made this a priority. Every single month, we're going to be a part of a serve day where we feed people. We love people. We serve people. Why? Because that's what the church was meant to do and be. Next month we have Hope Week coming. A whole week of service projects. Let me tell you, this is a lot of work for our team. It's, it's a, a ton of effort and, and challenge for our church. And yet it also costs us a lot financially, and yet we feel mo- now more than ever the priority that we are called to be a light in the darkness, a city on a hill, a church that <laughs> serves others isn't just about being served itself. Why do we feed? Because people are hungry. Not only are they f- hungry physically, but how many know they're hungry, hungry spiritually? That's why this matters. That's why church matters. It's why we put a lot of effort into Sunday mornings. It's why we invest in money to make this space feel and create an environment that people would would be drawn to and, and love. Why? Because this world is hungry physically, but it's even hungrier spiritually. And we have a more spiritual generation than ever before, and they're dabbling in all the things of this world and the demonic and all kinds of stuff. And I want to tell you, there is an encounter that we're meant to have, and it's with the authentic, real person of the Holy Spirit, and that happens in the house of God. That's why we prioritize this moment, because people are hungry. They're hungry physically. They're hungry spiritually Amos 5, 23-24 says this, away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. That's a challenging text. And I, I was like, I, I saw this shared a bunch kind of during the pandemic. A lot of people were sharing this text. And I, I went into the history of it. You see, Israel was being challenged by the prophet here, Amos, and Israel is challenged because the rich were getting richer and the poor were suffering. Israel is being challenged because they're actually taking advantage of the poor and the widows and young women. And God sees it. and He says, I need a a river of justice. I need righteousness to flow. You see, we can come in here and sing a lot of really spiritual songs, but unless it changes how we live when we go outside of these doors, I wonder if God is truly pleased with our praise. You see, I want God to be more pleased with, with the worship of my actions in my life than he is with the worship uh, of my lips and my tongue. See, he cares about praise from our mouth, but he cares as much about worship from your life. Worship, it, what happens on Sunday mornings for 30 minutes as we sing songs is this much of worship. You see, worship is how you live. It's this much. It's your actions, it's your steps, it's how you live. And there is a hungry world that is desperate. And we carry the hope and the answer. Before I close today, I want us to watch one last video about compassion. I want you to see a story and a little insight into what's happening in Kenya and how we can better partner as we maybe take this opportunity to sponsor a child. So watch this.
1: Hi, my name is Lindsey. I am nine years old and I live in Kenya. Greetings to all the sponsors and the donors uh, who support children in Kenya. We have 452 frontline church partners who reach out to just over 130,000 children. Prior to COVID hitting the globe as it did last year, children in Kenya already facing immense difficulties. Already, Kenya has an employment rate of about 40%. And with that comes a huge impact on the livelihoods of people and their income levels. And this trickles down to the very needs of the family. And children are the most hit. Uh, When you think about where the frontline church partners are based, they are really in the neighborhoods of where these children live. For that reason, they know the most critical needs that these children go through, ensuring that, one, every child is accounted for. But even beyond that, they could pray together, and they could share the Word of God together. Supporters are such an essential part of our program. And many of these children look up to their sponsors, some of them as the encouragers, as their mentors, as their own parents. And therefore, they play a really critical role in the development of these children, not only financially, but also emotionally and spiritually. I am so grateful. Thank you so much for your
0: sponsorship. There are people who are physically hungry. We have an opportunity today to help for $39 a month. You could sponsor a child. You see, I was thinking about this idea of setting the table. The last thing I wanted to share with you is we set the table to defeat the enemy's attack. And I was thinking about just how under attack we are. But you know that the enemy is never as strong as we give him credit for. I think sometimes the church has been terrified of Satan, the enemy. We've been afraid of the power and the authority that he carries. But I wanted to tell you right now that you carry far more power. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. In fact, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I've always shared that text, and oh, that's so good. But recently, I actually saw it in a little different light. You see, the gates of hell, you know, gates are a defense mechanism. But we share that, I'll build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's what I believe. The church is actually far more dangerous than it gives itself credit for. And hell is on the defense. Now, the enemy, he attacks. But we have the power to overcome and thwart any attack that the enemy throws at us. But we only have that ability when we recognize and realize our role in the family. And so I want, I want to illustrate this for you. You see, in my house, just like... Randy's house. Randy's my dad, if you didn't know. In Randy's house, he sat at the head of the table. And in my house, guess where I sit? I sit at the head of the table. Now, this isn't a very popular topic in today's culture, this idea of headship. But I don't know if you've studied the scriptures, but we see in in the New Testament that it says, Husbands are the head of the wife in the house, just as Christ is the head of the church. I know this isn't popular. That's old school, Caleb. Traditional. So let me tell you something. I see that, and I believe the Word of God to be true. And so I say, I, I'm in the role of headship in my home. So I sit at the head of the table. But let me tell you, headship doesn't mean that I only own the leadership. You see, I... I lead this family with Chrissy, just as Joanne led my family with Randy. I lead this family with Chrissy. My role as head or the headship, the role that I carry, is a role of serving. It's a role of servanthood. My job, my responsibility is to serve because in the same way we see the, the text tells us and the scripture tells us that Christ served. In fact, he loved the church so much that he died for it. He served it to the point of death. And so I think sometimes we get so focused on the wrong things. And today I wanted to remind us that we all have a role and a part to play in the family. And I wanted to remind you of who is the head of this table. You see, it's not Caleb. And I wanted to show you because on our website, it's been like this since we started this church eight years ago. Check this out. I didn't just add this for this sermon. It's been there for years. None of you probably ever even noticed it. You see, Caleb and Chrissy are the lead pastors, but Jesus Christ is the senior pastor. I've been given a role of leading in some way in this church, but Jesus is at the head of this table. King Jesus sits at the head of our table, and he determines what the family does. Just as Chrissy and I together determine what our family does and where our family goes, King Jesus sits at the head of the, of, the, of the table of this house, and he will determine where we go, how we move, when we act, when we step out, and when we do that, let me tell you, we're protected. Because the enemy wants nothing more to do than to destroy us, to tear our families apart, to tear this church apart, to tear the unity apart. But you know what I do in my home? I protect. When there's a sound at night, guess who jumps up? Your boy. And I come out, I got my golf club ready. I'm like, what was that? Opening doors. Where are you at? My kids are scared. You know who steps in and says, you got nothing to worry about. I do. And I want to tell you in the same way, if we keep Jesus, King Jesus, at the head of our table, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to stress about. We don't have to have anxiety. We don't have to have worry. Why? Because he's got us. King Jesus. He's got you. And so today, I wanted to challenge us that we would be a church of people that set the table for all. But before I give you the opportunity to partner with compassion, I would not want to let this opportunity go by without actually saying to you, have you come to the table of the family of God? Maybe there's a lot of reasons you haven't. You didn't think you were deserving. You didn't think you were righteous enough, holy enough, good enough. I wanted to tell you today, there is a seat at the table of the family of God for every person in this room. And so today, I think it's someone's day to come to the table. You didn't think you belonged, but God wanted to tell you today, you belong. You didn't think you were deserving, but God wanted to tell you, you weren't. But because of me. Now you are. So with heads bowed and eyes closed across this room, if that's you, you say, Caleb, it's me. I haven't felt like I deserve to be at the table. I haven't felt like I was good enough to be at the table. I've ran from the table. I've turned my back on the table even. But today, I want to surrender to King Jesus, make him the head of my table, and pull up a seat for the first time in my life. Or to come back to the table. I'm the prodigal that's been running. I want you to lift your hand. Go, if that's you. Anyone in this room? Yes, 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 yes. Come on, church. Give God some praise for all these hands that went up. Would you all repeat this after me? Say, King Jesus, today I put you at the head of my table. I pull up a seat. Not because of me, but because of you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to wash me clean, to make me new. Today, I surrender to you and your will. To what you want, not what I want. I love you, Jesus. You are my king. You are my head. And I surrender fully to you in your name. Amen. Come on, church. Give God some praise one more time. Would you stand to your feet? And I want us to sing a song of declaration declaring that we will build our lives on him. Why? Because King Jesus is the head of the table of our family, of our house, of this house. So come on, lift your voices with us, church. Let this be our declaration today here.